Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of Zion's Finest. This is Kenny Brown, and I'm joined by two of my brothers, Matthew Scott and Scott Paul. What we're going to be doing today is we're going to be doing some LVO prep, kind of, sort of. We'll get to it. First off, before we do that, I want to encourage everyone to rate and review the podcast and submit games on your Zion's Finest Google form. I need to remember to do that, always, and I always forget somehow. We want to shout out for the last time on the podcast, because we are going to LVO, Imperial Terrain, which has provided us two awesome sets of terrain that we will be bringing down to LVO. What Imperial Terrain does, they sponsor the Hello There podcast, and they are awesome. They have some really cool Shatterpoint stuff. And John from Imperial Terrain, he is a very good guy and has given me two sets that I'll be bringing to LVO. So you'll have the chance to, to see him when you're there. But we want to thank him again for his generosity with letting us borrow these sets for LVO. And with that being said, we are going to immediately turn to the main topic, because what we're going to be talking about today, and our recent games will feed into this, what we're doing is LVO is happening this week, and they are having what is called an after-hours event. Now, it is supposedly a two to three round showdown event. So that means you only bring two lists, two squads, and that you will play those lists for two games effectively. That's what they have. Well, that's actually not even what they have said, because <laughs> it's we've gotten some pretty inconsistent messages regarding the tournament format. And I think that is largely a function of the fact that the people who have organized it with Frontline are not very familiar with how Shatterpoint works in terms of tournament list building. So we've got a Longshanks leak, which I'm going to be including a link to. It's only for if you are registered for the event. So um, unfortunately, if you're not registered, we think there's going to be plenty of space to play. And we will try and make as many accommodations as we can. Matt and JK both are going to be on the hunt for some some kind of space. If, what I'm, the reason I'm saying that is because if you want to come play Shatterpoint, come play Shatterpoint. Um, but it has, the link allows you to put in four lists. It's just like a premier event. So I think they're doing that maybe in the event that we play three rounds. So the idea is if, we're, if we are going to end up playing three rounds, it is after hours. It starts at 7.30. So if we play three rounds, that means we're going to be done, you know, one or two in the morning. Um, but I think that's the reason why they've structured it that way. So what we wanted to do for this episode was just start with talk through our list, the list that we've been testing, the list that we're going to be bringing to LVO, assuming it's a premier event. That's kind of the idea. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I just wanted to call out to, we are going to be at LVO for the whole convention. And so if yes. you're going to be there, hop on the Slack, let us know. Like we're the, the Shatterpoint event is Friday evening, I believe. But we're going to be playing board games and other stuff and hanging out. So let us know. We'd be happy to hang out. Yeah, absolutely. We are, like Matt said, we're going to be playing a ton of board games. We'll be doing a lot of miscellaneous activities. But I think most what we'll be doing is just hanging out. And so we would love... Love to see you. Love to talk with you. Yeah, ours is the only table at the casino that does not have a minimum bet. That that's right. Yes. Just friendship. Got him. Okay, so what I want to do now is let's start with Matt. Let's go to Scott, and then I'll finish it up. And what we're going to do is go through the squads, the four squads. Assuming we're building for a premier event, the four squads that we're bringing to LVO. Let's talk about as you're as you're going through it, walk through your choices, and then the other two people will have the chance to offer some feedback, questions, et cetera, et cetera. So Matt, let's start with you. Yeah, so I mean I am continuing in my um, tilting at windmills about the uh, Galactic <laughs> Republic and trying to get that to work. Um, yeah. And you know, for a long time I was really focused on the mace box as a core squad to sort of build around. Uh, I think Mace is great. I think ARF Troopers are great. However, there are some complications that have led me away from that. The basic considerations for me there have been, I think ARF Troopers are great. I think if you're trying to build a Galactic Republic core, you're, you're going to have ARF Troopers in them. And because yep. they're three costs, that means you're picking one of the non-eight cost primaries to kind of be in your core squad, which are Mace, Vader, or Anakin. Yep. The other major consideration that I have is that it really feels like the secondary unit slot is the most contested, or at least that's where the strongest splash good stuff units are. And those yep. are, that's where some of the highest impact units are in the game. A lot of times you build your list around the primaries that you want to bring, and then you're filling in the other pieces. And while I'm still a Pawn's Defender, and I think that he is especially pretty good on Sabotage Showdown, 
and because of what he can let you do with deployment. The problem is, is that he's a bit of a compromise to bring because he's a three cost secondary as opposed yeah. to the other four cost secondaries that while I think Mace potentially has great space in Premier if you're going for like the two separate list strategy, I think that Pawns is just too much of a sacrifice to run in every single game in a Premier list. So that has pushed me away from Mace in general. I've been experimenting with Anakin primarily at the long discussed opinion that we've had is that like he has some force economy issues that can aggravate in Galactic Republic. But what I have found is approaching Anakin from the philosophy less of he is going to use, I'm going to end this every single time. He's going to spend a bunch of force and carry you and moving away from that to he's just a strong threat primary who's always going to have a solid activation and can occasionally really swing and make a big play that can, you know, hard swing a particular struggle. Um, The other final thing that I have decided is just that Django Fett is too good to not be in your core squad. Doesn't matter. He's, he's, he just has too many things that every list wants. He has dice list displacement. He has solid damage, solid survivability, mobility. He really just has the whole package. So I've really been building around this idea of a core squad with Anakin, Django, Arfs. The other big piece of my philosophy has been in your six units, you can kind of afford one compromise. You need five really solid units, and then you can bring a sixth that's a little bit under the curve that will be elevated by the rest of your list. So the list that I have landed on following that various philosophy philosophies is Anakin, who is your primary Django Arfs in your core squad, and then the the other three squads that are around them are the Naboo Box, Padme Sabe Handmaidens, uh, Luminara, Padawan Ahsoka or Rex, and then Clone Commandos. And then okay. finally, Obi-Wan Kenobi... Secondary there is under him is either Rex or Barris. Probably Rex is going there. And then the 212. Yes. Okay. Uh, I tested this against Scott this week playing. I played the Luminara Rex clone commandos against he was running Vader good stuff. And was really surprised with the legs that were there in the list as an attrition list. I think Luminara can really elevate what's going on. And I'm really pleased, you know, kind of pleasantly surprised with how solid it felt playing against some really strong stuff. Matt, so here's the thing that's super interesting about this, is that I think that this is, what you have done with your list is kind of counter to what we've been talking about previously, where we were like, Obi, Obi-Wan is the one we anchor around. And then it's like, no, Mace is the one that we're anchoring around. And now it's like, well kind of Django is the one that we're anchoring around, right? And so like Django does, what's super interesting is that Django has no synergy, natural synergy with Anakin or Arfs or anything like that. I would contend that maybe he does and, you know, the, uh, in other ways, just in terms of how naturally good he is. But it's not the case that Django's not Rex or Snips or Barris, and he's still so good that you're bringing him with, with Anakin. Tell me how, like, so the idea is the Anakin core is Anakin going to be played in every... Is Anakin Django Arfs every single list? So you're bringing them with Naboo. It's not going to be... You're going to choose to flex between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Like, what's the story there? So in general, yeah, that's the plan is to run the Anakin core. I think you could probably flex if you wanted to run, you know, Kenobi plus Naboo. But I don't okay. actually think that that's much better. I mean, the main thing is that, like, Anakin bringing the extra force point actually does matter a lot in terms of balancing Republic economy, especially if instead of saying, well, Anakin's bringing four and he's going to spend three every time he activates, you're saying he's bringing four, he's probably going to spend one, and in situations where it really matters, he may spend three um, or two, or you know, depending on what's going on there. Django also offers force economy refresh. You know, He has the potential yes. to wound somebody and refresh force, which is just enormous. Yes, absolutely. Um, the other thing that's super interesting about this is that, so I've also been playing Anakin recently, but I've been playing him with Dooku, uh, and because that because that really does shortcut the Anakin economy problem if you're running with absolutely. Dooku, Dooku is absolutely. also bringing four, and then and then you can be a little bit more flexible with how you spend with Anakin. But what's interesting about Anakin is that, and we have talked about this a bunch, 
is that when you're not relying on Anakin to carry the day in terms of saying like Anakin needs to go in and every single activation, he needs to wound a primary or secondary figure and be this monster. But instead, if he's more of a defensive flanker who can move quickly when necessary, you know, with jumps and maybe if you've got some out of activation movement for him in order to project threat, that is when Anakin can be really effective. And then you don't need to be spending those two force, right? Because Absolutely. naturally when I play against Anakin already, I avoid, I try and avoid him kind of like Mace where it's mm-hmm. like, I don't really want to tussle with him unless I am really going to be able to burn him down. And so I don't know. It's really interesting in terms of my, my opinion on Anakin has changed a lot if only because I've been playing him in a list where I think he can kind of shine. It's really interesting to me that your idea is, you know, I will also be bringing Anakin to LVO, but not quite in the, the format you're doing it, but where you're saying, no, Anakin, Django, Arf's core. I get how that works. And yeah. the hope, my hope is, is that the things you're bringing with them don't like weigh that down, right? Well, here's the interesting thing about Anakin. So let's talk about why would you bring Anakin versus why would you bring vader right because they they kind of fit the same spot right so they're both galactic republic they're both pretty defensive right 11 and 12 health they're not one of the neither of them are high level defense characters like ahsoka or dooku or people or even luminara who are really able to kind of tank hits it's just that they have a lot of health and they've really solid defense right Purely depending on what side they're on vader has Vader has greater length of movement, but Anakin has greater verticality of movement. Both of them are going to kill people. Yes. Right? Both of them are going to just murder whoever. Anakin has a a greater chance of murdering someone just because he's not rolling as many dice as Vader. Well, but if you have the force, right? Yeah. Vader is, I guess with with Vader's finest, if you're spending the one force... They probably have the same amount to murder someone, but Anakin can overcome mind trick in a way that Vader can't. But Vader is enabling other yep. people in the way that Anakin isn't. Mm-hmm. Vader, I, I suppose, has some... They both have Deflect and Repost, respectively. Repost is probably more useful just because there are more things that are doing melee. And Vader, when he's wounded, gets to yep. attack back. But... I think it's one of those things yeah. where they're ostensibly very similar, but the amount they're showing up is is very different, which is just an interesting thing to think about. Is just, you know, why why would you take Vader or Anakin instead of yeah. Vader? So yeah. and honestly, I think like the way that I would describe it, you know, I've done not a ton of testing, but enough that I feel pretty confident in this assessment, which is I think the average Anakin activation is going to be about 90% of the average Vader activation in terms of impact on the board. But 90% of Vader is still pretty good. But the ability to threaten or potentially make a big play with I'm going to end this and or this is where the fun begins, it's it's sort of like it it elevates his ceiling. So like the average case is a little bit lower than what Vader is going to bring. And Vader is probably honestly the better choice, but Anakin has the threat potential to just really spike stuff while being a useful piece. He has, I think that one of the mistakes that people make with him pretty constantly is they look at those eight dice and like the huge damage potential in Gemso, and they just always swing for the fences on that. But like he has three shoves in three steps on his Shien side. Yes. Like, which he's going to hit pretty consistently. He like, he has a lot of good things going for him, and I think that really the calculus that I have run into when I'm playing with him is like, you on Gemso, you expect three successes, which is going to be, what, seven damage and a strain. Yeah. If that's going to be enough to wound and flip a point, especially if that's where a primary or a secondary unit is where you can trigger this is where the fun begins, you go for it. And you have, I'm going to end this as sort of like your rip cord that you need to pull if like you really flub a die and it's going to break your back to miss. Or if you're even like like going into mind trick because that allows you to just basically trade two force with the OB2 player and stay yeah. on the board. If yeah. you yeah. can't do that, he can shove somebody off a point and flip it and feel just fine. 
Yeah, and this is where the fun begins. I think, you know, I didn't bring that up in the comparison, but I really should have because it is a very impactful ability. Obviously, it is, you know, when he is activating, and so there are certain subjects, but in terms of being able to shore up when you're losing and trying to make it so, hey, you know, yeah, I'm not scoring as many, but scoring this extra one can buy me enough time to put the attrition war back on my side or just to say, hey, I'm winning and I'm going to put it over the edge to where my opponent really can't come back. It can be really powerful and impactful. And so, yeah, I we were talking about this the other day where, you know, for those of you who either didn't watch the episode or don't recall, we ranked Anakin in C tier as a yeah. primary. And we're not going to be like, well, now he's S tier or A tier. But for me... I think he, you know, our definition of C tier was, you know, a solid B tier figure, but that only works really in very specific niche scenarios. And for me, I think Anakin works in more scenarios than than just one or two. Or I think it's like three or four now. So I think yeah. he's either top of C tier, or I would feel very comfortable putting him in B tier, maybe in the middle uh, yeah. or, or lower half of B tier. So I think he is definitely better than we had talked about previously but not still not you know the the top figures in the game yeah yeah the other thing that he does honestly like and this is something that we've talked a lot about and made a lot of pay about that like hey like um i would go so far as to say luminara's flow of the force ability i think is the best innate ability in the game because it gives you the yep. dash when you wound it gives you yep. the recovery when you are wounded and then yep. it also lets you do the peek at your card when you have somebody in reserve thing and the only problem that Luminar brings is that the rest of her kit, aside from that ability, is pretty underwhelming. And in order, but that offensive dash when you wound an enemy unit is so powerful when it's in a list of a bunch of other units that can do that. So the basic theory behind that list is has been: let's take all the Republic stuff that is focused on dealing damage and wounding, and we can leverage that dash. And a turn where you are able to use Anakin wound this primary or secondary unit and get an extra tick on the struggle token and get a free dash somewhere else can be yes. can hugely impact the struggle that you're playing in yes that's absolutely the case it's also what i think is interesting i mean this is i do think that anakin is like a low b high c and the reason why is because i think that with anakin your margin is so much tighter than it is with so many other figures like with dooku or mace or Luminara in a good list, or Grievous, or Maul, where it's like, if you misposition Anakin, or if you put Anakin in this position where you're not able to either threaten, threaten, I'm going to end this, you don't, I mean, you're not, you're using it every time, but Anakin, the whole point of this really powerful figure is he needs to be able to project threat, right? He needs to be able, if he's not, he's not swinging two points on his own every turn, like Django, right? Or maybe Dooku or something like that. But what he is effectively doing something similar in that he can, I'm going to end this. Now, he's obviously not doing that every time. But if you don't position Anakin well, or if you, you know, I mean, there's a lot. I, I have noticed this. If you put him in a position where it's like, well, if I don't roll the nuts, then I lose. And you're just going to be disappointed. And that was, I mean, we played Anakin a bunch before our recent mm -hmm. testing. And that was how I always felt. I'm like, I didn't have enough force to do the things he wanted. He wasn't doing yeah. damage consistently like I needed him to do, right? And so that was, and, and I think I, I get that. And I get why people were maybe a little bit more frustrated with him and getting down on him. But I think if you kind of step back and think, let's just look at his kit and think, you know, is he a strong primary? You know, is he able to do these really unique, very powerful things? And it's like, yeah, he is. He's, he's better offensively than Obi-Wan. He is maybe not, he's not as def, he's not as defensive, but he's pretty durable. And his I think his defensive expertise is great, right? And so yeah. you know he's 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 a really strong figure when you really think about it. If you're not looking at I'm going to end this and think I'm doing this every single turn, mm -hmm. and instead just thinking like what can Anakin do? He can consistently shove almost any figure off of a point. That's I mean he can bring a lot of value. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I've been really surprised. I think I would rate him a little bit higher than you guys. I think that he comes in below some of the like really like premier primaries just on terms of flexibility because I think yeah. Anakin is very much a primary that it's sort of you have to build around or you have to build into the synergies that he's granting you. Whereas you yes. if you look at somebody like Vader or like Dooku, it's like you can build around them and that's great, but also you can just throw them in wherever and they're going to elevate everything else that's going on um, yeah. the only 
other thing I really want to throw in when it comes to this list that I thought was really interesting. So one, playing Republic without Kenobi on the table is really interesting. I've been a big you know general Kenobi defender. I love him. He's probably my favorite primary in the game. But playing without him was really interesting because it changes the value of those defensive maneuver abilities that cost a force. Whereas with Kenobi, you feel pressure to spend that force at every opportunity to stock up those hunker tokens and yep. to really leverage that. Without that, you know, and without like hunker tokens staying on in place during when you know unit is engaged and that kind of stuff, what I found is that I would spend the force on the defensive maneuver when I needed the mobility. And otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. And that really felt like the force economy for this Anakin Luminara pairing was much more similar to what other lists run, where it's like, instead of it being tightly budgeted, where it's like, I know before the game starts where every single point is going to go, and I have to plan yeah. it that way. It was much more like, oh, I I can have a bank of reserve, and maybe Jingo, if I spend some, will get some back. And if not, that's okay. And I can activate with Anakin, and maybe he'll need to spend big, and maybe he won't. And it was it was much more interesting dynamic that way. The other thing yeah. that I was going to call out is I think in the final estimation, I'm going to run uh, Padawan Ahsoka under Luminara rather than Rex, just because I think Rex has more natural synergy with Kenobi when he's on the table because, for yes. that reason. The hunker tokens yeah. matter more. And I think that Ahsoka has a similar enough, like, hey, she's pretty good at dealing damage. She's okay at standing on a point. Uh, her reactive, where she can sometimes add an extra five die attack to a clone support attack, helps a lot with that much more attrition grinder style that Luminara is trying to enable. Yeah. One other thing I think that is interesting to note about this before we move on to Scott's list is... So the defensive maneuver with the clones is a really cool and very strong ability, but it would matter a lot more if the clones were more durable. You're yep. not really using it in terms of the durability most of the time because it is very, well, it's just not the case that clones are taking a lot of heat that, in that direction. So Matt's using it mostly for mobility. And mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it can dissuade attacks at range, right? Is the idea. Exactly. But the whole... The whole point of Kenobi is it's meant to leverage those hunker tokens going forward so that you can stand, so you'd have this durability for both melee and ranged attacks, which is just not how it works out. So then it's like, okay, well, now I don't need to spend this force every time because I'm not leveraging this, and now I've got free force for Anakin. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that the other key there is, like, you hit the nail on the head. The hunker tokens are really great at discouraging ranged attacks because that those defensive dice can stack up pretty quick. And it, and it makes attacking clones at range, if they have a couple hunker tokens, quite a bit more dicey. However, yeah. really what that does is it changes the calculus to, well, you just got to walk up into melee and smack them over the head. And that's kind of what the game encourages you to do anyway. And yeah. so it it is very much like clone troopers will stand on the back line. And eventually, I mean, in my game against Scott, it was very much like I leapt out to a pretty strong lead early and was able to project a lot of threat. And then the game sort of turned into his Vader and OB2 versus my clone supports who just got murdered and completely lost my back feet line field. And then it was yeah. kind of the rest of my list against the rest of his list that was fairly even. And yeah. I lost that game, but it was one of those where I was genuinely threatening to, I won struggle one, was genuinely threatening to win struggle two. I pushed too hard for it and missed and then my list kind of crumpled. And so I think if I had played more carefully for Struggle 3, it would have been a closer Struggle 3 for sure. Yeah, 100%. I mean, really, the big thing here is that An or that Anakin is being brought to headline the Republic. We'll see how he does. So. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited okay. to see. Okay, Scott. So, yeah. So I've, I've mulled around with this primary list a few times. Uh, we talked about it at length. And, you know, making some compromises. I, I know what I'll run if it ends up being a showdown event. Uh, it's going to be a pretty straightforward thing to run. But uh, my primary list, it's going to be built around Vader. Shocking. Yep. You yes, know. yes. Who could have predicted? No one would have known. No I one know. expected this. So I actually, I normally pair Vader and OB2 together. And Matt was telling me, and, and this goes against my, like desires not but not really my instincts more of like i recognize he's right it's just like but i want it 
Um, yeah. So it, it, the the primary squad or the the squad one is is Vader, Jango Fett, Arfs. I wish okay. there was something else to bring than Arfs, but you know we're bringing them. They're they're yeah. going to be there. They're really only going to be able to support Vader, but it's like there's there's nothing else to take unless I bring Magna Guards, which is going to make the rest of the list. We'll we'll kind of go over why that is. For Squad Two, we've got Dooku and the Magna Guards, and for our secondary, we have Barris, which, who oh boy, I, yeah. I I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I'm I'm interested in her ability, you know, force push, force speed. Uh, I wish she did a bit more damage, but you know, I'll be interested to see how she plays. I have played her a couple times before with Luminara when we were first sort of testing that out. So I'm hoping that'll be an interesting position there. I think that honestly, really, it, it's one of those things where if I'm running those those two squads together, I think about what Matt says about you can have one sort of compromise. And I feel yeah. like with Arf and Barris, I'm taking two. And so I'm yeah. hoping Barris isn't a compromise. Because, you know, on paper, she, there's some really interesting things. I've never seen her really overperform, but I'm hoping with Force Push, especially because you're bringing, with that grouping, eight Force, with, a, with two Force Refresh mechanics, that her ability to Force Push is going to be something you feel a lot more comfortable using. She also uh, can utilize the Galactic Republic tag for the ARFs, so it makes yep. them a little bit more versatile in the in the list. So that's sort of the first, you know, two what I would consider like the primary. Yeah, I would say like I would agree that like Arfs and Barris are both a bit of a compromise. However, when the rest of your list is Vader, Django, Dooku, Magnus, I think that's yeah. a mm-hmm. unique circumstance where you can afford to have two small compromises because you're running four other S tier units, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're really doing a lot. And so you've you've got a lot. So I, I absolutely agree. And and Barris is it, when when your damage potential isn't super high, it, it feels sometimes a little bit like a hat on a hat, but Barris does benefit from Vader's ability to make her really consistent rolling nine dice. Yeah. Right? So and also considering that if she gets four steps, she will push four times. Yeah. And if she gets five steps, she can do that and then get a free force push or force speed. Means it's that her displacement that she is... can reposition and then shove three times too as an option. Yeah. I think Absolutely. that's how Luminara is too. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm interested to see how she plays there. I'm I'm excited to see how it goes. Squad three, I've got Maul, Bo Katan, and Mandalorian Super Commandos, which is just sort of it's it's sort of a weird it it doesn't it feels kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the premier list. I like it. I think Maul is a fantastic primary. Uh basically I have displacement in all of these three squads that I've listed off. Uh diceless displacement, right? We've got Barris, we've got Django, and we've got Maul, which are all super powerful. Bo-Katan and the Mandalorians are bringing both vertical flexibility as well as still a, a, a good amount of, of punch. It was an interesting thing because I was initially thinking, well, I should bring Clan Krees because they've got that S-placement. And you guys actually talked me into bringing the Mandalorian Super Commandos just because sort of we're getting them up in the scrum and yep. we're, we're, you know, we're not really using Vader's ability with them because honestly... For some people, it's like two damage is not a difference between being wounded in one shot and wounded in two shots. Like clones, honestly, it doesn't matter whether my ARF troopers have seven health or five health left. They're getting one shot. Like, that's just how it is. But with the Mandalorian soups, going from having eight health to six is a legitimate... They they get hit one shot if they only have six health, 100%. So, uh, but they are definitely there to sort of eat up points, poke some damage onto people, be annoying, and Parallel with Bo-Katan is sort of like, as you mentioned, this roving death squadron. And so pairing them with Maul is, is, a, is a good area there. And, and Maul and Vader together is just, it, it's very much a just murder squad. Just yeah, a absolutely. absolutely annihilate. And then finally, the squad four, which is sort of an interesting departure. I kind of played around with 
Grievous in this slot or Padme in this slot. But I actually settled on what is wild considering we ranked him. I wanted to put him in the bottom of C, but we all, I think, settled on top of D is the Grand Inquisitor. Because so much of what we've talked about of why we ranked the Grand Inquisitor, and again, another reminder from our tier list is that a lot of our primaries were really ranked based off of what they could bring with them. What yeah. they were like, so Vader and Dooku, because they're so flexible and fit in a lot of places and bring a lot of stuff, they end up high on the list. Whereas Grand Inquisitor, considering so much of his stuff is Inquisitor based and you have really bad Inquisitor figures, with one exception, he fell down. But what, what I've done here is I've said, okay, well, we're going to take the Grand Inquisitor, we're going to take Obi Wan Kenobi out of hiding, we're going to slot him there as a secondary, and then Fifth Brother as the support. So, again, so we have Vader, Django, Arfs, Grand Inquisitor, Obi-Wan, Fifth Brother. Yeah. So we've got incredible damage potential because Vader has, like, the one-shot capability. And then you have Grand Inquisitor, Obi-Wan, and Fifth Brother with, when they're using Vader's ability, can one-shot probably 60% of the figures in the game, is what I would say. Okay. Obi, I, I found that their ability to come in and just really do some damage is basically if you have eight health or less, you're getting one shot by Grand Inquisitor or Fifth Brother, and Obi Wan can take out. Obi Wan will always get his four steps with Vader. I found it is yeah. incredibly rare that he's not getting all four steps, and so he's one shotting anything with seven health or lower, which is not a lot of things. That's like I think the only thing with six health is Clone Commandos. Yeah. But you have Obi-Wan, who is obviously mind-tricking everything. You've got Fifth Brother, who is the single best displacement figure in the game in terms of being able to just say, this is my point, and none of you are going to be here. doesn't matter how many of you there are. I'm kicking all of you off. He's, he's the unmatched master there. And you've got Grand Inquisitor, who is actually one of the strongest defensive figures. Yep. His... On his Gemso side, he's got six dice and just the ability to just tank somebody's attack. Yeah. Really yeah. He seems a lot like Dooku this way in terms of he's got his defensive expertise of turning crits to hits, crits to misses. And he's it's interesting because looking at Grand Inquisitor, we did pan him. And four, or third sister and fourth sister or whatever are not good units. But on Makashi... Inquisitor is maxing out at 11 damage, and that's on six steps, and he has great offensive expertise on Mikashi's side. So, yeah. that's Hypothetically, really he actually can get up to 12, because he's got 10 damage on his tree, and then he can uh, get two auto damage from, if he has four expertise. Expertise, yeah. So and you're rolling pretty, 10 dice with Vader, right? So Yeah, so it's not impossible. It's not super likely... But yeah. he, there's two crits and two auto damage that happens there. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting thing. He his his secret uncovered ability is pretty pointless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have seen it useful once, but honestly, what we talk about oftentimes is that the Grand Inquisitor is very similar to Grievous in that if I wound a Force user, I'm refreshing health. And when I an allied Inquisitorius wounds an enemy unit, they may heal. The difference is Grand Inquisitor's ability doesn't just apply to him, like with Grievous. Whenever Fifth Brother or whenever Vader is wounding a unit, I'm healing. And then if they're Force Heroes, refreshing. So that ability to... And, and the thing is, that heal also doesn't happen to ha have to happen to the person that wounds. So Vader can be wounding people and Fifth Brother's getting heals off of it. So that allows a really global play like synergy that yeah. can be quite useful. And I, I think it's, it's kind of a tricky thing, but I think it has actually a lot of potential and power. I've, I've tested a similar list to this. Uh, and I've actually tested this like a Vader and them squad before that has actually had quite a bit of success. Really what I'm looking to pair that up against for, against is anything that's running... If, if they're running three Force users in the squad, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. 
Yeah, that defensive tech ability where it's like what, one force for when he's targeted by a melee attack by a force user and he can flip his stance card and then add two dice to the defense roll. Like, I don't know, guys, how many force user units are there in the game that want to make melee attacks? I mean, yeah. I don't know, guys. Right? A few of them. Yeah. A few of them, yeah. right? And, <laughs> a few. And you, can, you don't have to... It, it doesn't matter what stance card... The stance card flipping is not depend, or the the two dice is not dependent on that. So it's just yeah. again, it's just a flexible thing. So really, what that's saying is, hey, spend a force for two dice, and then also if you want to have your other side, you can flip it. And so if, that's if, just if you edit your really turn into Kashi for some reason, you can flip over, right? So yeah. it's yeah. The only thing, secrets uncovered, if it only cost one force, I think would be a pretty okay ability because it would allow you to deny your opponent points like because there are times when it's like i cannot flip a point but if i can deny my opponent a point i'm not making a you know as big of a swing but i'm at least able to make them have to work it's just that the fact that it costs two force is ridiculous yeah yeah I think that's the thing is that if it's a if it's a one force ability, it is an interesting form of area control uh, ability. But at two force, it just never seems like it it's worth it. Yeah, it seems like the general design philosophy is that abilities that cost one force are ones that they expect you to use regularly. It's like during your activation, you're going to use this ability. Abilities yes. that cost two force kind of seem like they come in two flavors which is this is a generally super useful ability but it's too good to only cost one force so we're going to cost it two and then there are ones like this one and like grievous's aoe damage thing where it's like this is not useful very often but situationally (laughs) is super busted and so we're just going to make you pay for it i am honestly glad that they costed this at two just because any ability that can mess with the scoring tempo of the game has the potential to feel really bad in play. And so even though like yeah. it is probably fair at one force, I'm glad that this is not a super commonly like abusable ability within the game. Sure, that's fair. Well, and the other thing is, Scott, I've got to say, so I mean, obviously you're running a lot of kind of known quantities with respect to Vader and Dooku. But this Inquisitor list, I think, is a really elegant solution to the aggro matchup because you're still run, you're running Vader still, you're running Vader, Django, Arfs, and then the Inquisitor with Obi two and Fifth Brother is a list that you can still match aggro. Maybe not as well as something like Grievous or whatever, or you know, yeah. a list that is built for it. But you've got really strong defensive tech with Obi two. Uh, and the Inquisitor, and so I just think that's a really very, it's a yeah. very cool list. Yeah, I expect the Inquisitor squad to be really great into Republic, and pretty great into enemy Vader, and really bad against, like, Grievous or Separatist droids, or yeah, droids. Space. I mean, droids are definitely getting, I, I think the either Duke or Amal, I think, would work into droids. I, I, I don't think there's an obvious choice there. I think it's maybe more of a flavor of the week type thing. But yeah, Grand Inquisitor, if I'm playing into Republic, if I'm playing into like if I see like honestly, Matt, if if I was going up against your squad that we played the other night and I was going with this premiere list, I actually would run Inquisitor Obi Fifth Brother in that because I think that it would be harder for you to displace me. And Dooku's great, but I don't think Dooku did a ton in that matchup that, you know, I, I think Obi-Obi-Obi uh, 2, Vader, and Django were doing the lion's share of the work there. So, yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised at how the Anakin and Lumi matched up into, like, Vader-Dooku, and I was like, I actually yeah. felt pretty good about that matchup. If, like, my premier list versus yours, I think I'm running the Naboo box, no question, if I have that option, just because the, the threat of that, like, anti-force user tech is so strong from the Inquisitor. Yeah. Great point. So That's a great point. It's kind of the... It's a little bit... You know, we talked about this with premier list. It's kind of hard because, you know, 
you unless you have your opponent has well they've already run this they need to be running this and you can say it's it's very much in some ways a rock paper scissors type situation where you're trying to anticipate what is my opponent going to be bringing what can i bring because what have i been playing so it's an interesting matchup when you look at it that way and it'll be less interesting if we're just doing a sabotage showdown because i will run what was previously called vega grievous subbing in dooku for grievous yeah yeah, I think that my my approach with it is I think what they're going to do, well, I don't know. I'm I'm going to follow up with the, I well, that's not true. I have followed up with the tournament organizer and I think that there's just not a lot of clarity with respect to the list that people are uploading on Longshanks because you're loading four lists in. So it's like, are we going to pick two? Like what's going on? So, I don't know. That that's a great point. So for me, what I am doing is so when I approach the, the competitive games that we have played and Matt, Scott, and I have all, well, I guess with the exception of MCP have over the last three years, four years kind of followed a similar train. We all played IA pretty competitively. We all played um, destiny, star Wars, destiny, pretty competitively, not, not super competitively, but I mean, we traveled to events. We had a ton with it. We've all been playing. What's it called? Marvel snap. And these are all the, they're, very different kinds of games, even like a card game like Marvel Snap and Destiny are just very different in terms of the type of game that they are. But what I have found is my approach to these games is consistently a matter of like trying to understand the question that the current meta is asking and then trying to figure out what I would like to to how I would like to respond to that question. Right. So we knew that if you played IA, the last meta was kind of a, it was a very weird time for the game. And it was a very w sad way for the game to end because there was this list release called Spectre Cell. So it's just the Rebels. And it was absolutely busted by an order of magnitude over what had previously been released. But me and Matt really got down to brass tacks to decide what is it like, how do we respond to this list? If we're not just going to run Spectre, like how do we respond to this list? And we came up with what we thought was the best solution to it. And we did pretty well at Worlds, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so that was, so that was that. And with Destiny, we were all really pretty consistently playing some kind of off meta thing. We were always cognizant of what was going on in the meta in terms of thinking like, what are the, the problems that we need to respond to, but kind of in an off, in an off way. So the reason why I'm saying all of this is because I think about the current meta format is thinking, what are the questions I need to be able to answer? And the first thing is, what do you do in the Vader aggro, mm -hmm. right? If your opponent has got a Vader aggro list, what's your response? Second thing, what do you do against Droid Swarm, right? What do you do against a list that's running Cad Dooku or Dooku Grievous or, you know, something like that, uh, Grievous Maul? And running just like this really synergistic, super high tempo droid list. What do you do if you run into Mace? Right? Like if you're running into, if, someone, if someone's running Republic, they're running Mace. What do you do? Right? And so as we've been talking through and answering those questions, I have come up with what I think is kind of my preferred answer to that. Now, I don't want to run Vader. I think Vader is an extremely strong figure, but he doesn't really work with my play style. And my thing is with the premier format, I think right now the best way to do it is to build a core list. So Scott's core is Vader. Matt's core is Anakin. So you build a core list. And then you're trying these other three lists that you're building are supplementing or answering particular questions that that list will need help in responding to. So I'm running the best, what I think is the best core list in the game, which is Dooku, Jango, Magnus. I agree. I think that's... Yeah. I don't think that's controversial at all, right? And also, it might seem kind of boring, which is fair, because I think it's 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 a that's a very known quantity, right? We know what Dooku is doing. We know what Jango is doing. We know what Magnus are doing. Yeah. Those are three of the top five best figures in the game, right? Well, and it's interesting, because when we talk about, like, it's the strongest core, I think that there's two things that that make it the strongest core. One, it requires no compromises. Yes. Vader requires a compromise of, like, because either way, he's taking ARFs or Magna Guards, which is a compromise in either direction. Great point. That's a great point. And Dooku, and what we talked about, why Dooku is an S tier primary is because he fits everywhere. 
goes mm -hmm. with everything. He is the definition of a build around character. Yep. And that's why I think, yeah, that is yeah. The, that the is the strongest problem, list. Yeah, the only problem with Magna Guards is that they need a Separatist primary to get some mobility so that they aren't just potatoes in their first activation. And Dooku yep. checks that box, right? Yep. Dooku is... Dooku, and what's also great about Dooku, I mean, we're always, I'm always singing his praises, but what's also great about Dooku is he's one of the few primaries where him going first is awesome because he can move forward. He's moving his Magna Guards up with him. If your opponent has moved forward, he's got a really strong range attack with his Force Lightning. And once Dooku is on a point, and especially if he's got Magna Guards backing him up, he's not leaving. Your opponent is making a mistake in trying to move him off of the point unless your opponent's doing it with diceless displacement so so obviously love dooku he's awesome so then the idea is if i've got this dooku core i will be running dooku in i think probably realistically every single list and especially with the way i've constructed it because the other three lists are first anakin rex arfs and the reason why is because anakin is awesome and dooku makes anakin hum he just does so good. He gives him all the force he needs. He gives him lots of threat. You have incredible Shatterpoint uh, targets with either Anakin and you've got the force. You can realistically do, I'm going to end this twice during an activation cycle. If you've got Anakin and Dooku, you've got, uh, so, he, so he's awesome. And then obviously Rex and Arf, you know, I, I have run, I ran that previously with Kraken and, B1s. I'm not doing that this time because my third list is Grievous, Kraken, B2s. So that is, if I am running into someone who's running just like straight up Republic or maybe running like a droid swarm, then I will be running Dooku Grievous. And the idea there is that I've played the list enough, I'm familiar enough with it, even though it's not really my style, that I can kind of match the tempo. And if they're playing something like Maul, then I know how to handle Maul with respect to Grievous, or with respect to Dooku and kind of how to how to, Maul's an incredible figure and I'm not running Maul but I kind of know how to handle him and then my fourth list is Ahsoka Obi-2 Clan Kreese and that is there for if I run into a Vader Grievous aggro matchup so Ahsoka Dooku is the strongest I think one two defensive group in the game and if you've got Obi-2, Clan Krees, Django, and Magnas, you have just got incredibly durable, consistent control w when the aggro storm comes in. So I think that, the, and it, it's kind of weird because I don't think that Anakin here is the best, is optimized, but I have had a lot, Anakin's a really fun figure when you play him and he can do his thing. And so, I've, and I've had a lot of fun playing him. And so I think that the rule of fun or the rule of cool, or whatever they say. Scott, what is it? It's the, the rule, rule of cool. cool. The rule yeah, of cool? but that's usually about, in D&D, &D, when your player wants to do something that's not really within the rules, but it's really cool, you should just let them do it. Yeah, well, I think about it, and that's, I'm sure Scott's obviously the authority here, but I think it's also a sense of, like, the aestheticness of running something that you love is a huge factor in enjoyment of the game. One thing that I talk about, I mean, not here on the podcast, but like with Marvel Snap is a lot of times like the questions that Marvel Snap presents to the player in order to solve for the meta are just not questions I'm super interested in solving. And so I'll just take a break and not play as much Marvel Snap during that period of time. Right. And and like that's not I think Marvel Snap is a great game. It's just that the thing that it's asking you to do is not something I'm super interested in. And like, I don't think Ahsoka is <laughs> the best primary at all. Right. And I don't even think she's the best defensive primary. I think Scott's inquisitor list has is a really cool idea and kind of a, a different take on that defensiveness but i love ahsoka right and i want to run ahsoka and so i think that is an absolutely totally fine method of making decisions we're not in that competitive of a meta and it's a, yeah. it's a casual event right yeah well we talked about this with matt when we were saying you know we were trying to come up with all these ideas of like well you know should you be running this or should you be running that and who should we be bringing? And at one point it was like, you know, because I could tell Matt was sort of, I think we were talking about like, should you bring Obi-Wan or should you bring like I don't, some other like, kind of just a Maul, Maul, Maul yeah. right? Or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, well, Maul's better for all these and these reasons. And I could just see Matt kind of being like, you know, like, 
wanting to like reject it and say no, but not really having a yeah. good reason. And I was just like, you know, Matt, it seems kind of like you want to run Obi-Wan. And that's all yeah. the reason you really need yeah. is yeah. you like the figure. I don't run Vader because he's the best figure in the game. Vader could be mid-tier, and I have such an obsession, I'd still try and make it work. Totally. In the IA meta, Vader was uh, arguably in the worst position of the three... Basically, for those who don't know, uh, when the Heart of the Empire expansion was out, they released updated cards for IG-88, Han Solo, and Vader that made yep. them the three best queen figures in the game. And I think that Vader despite the fact that as a figure probably was the strongest of the three, he had the worst squad backing him up. It was kind of the, I mean, he had really good cards there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, these guys would probably jump and be like, you had Zillow. And I'd be like, yeah, get over it. Um, <laughs> but uh, arguably in terms of what he was backing him up with was, you know, the hardest thing. But I was just like, yeah, I know going into worlds that IG-88 is better. That IG-88 yeah. is squad with weak ways. Weak ways are just the best sort of mid-tier unit in the game. It's just better. But you just want to run it, right? And, yeah. you know, Kenny wanted to run Rebels, right? Yep. And we just run the things we want to run. And that's really the most important thing, unless the most important thing to you is winning, in which case, you know, just optimize like a chess machine, and then you can be... Uh, Geez, what was his name? The guy who was the IA champion like two or three times in a row, Daniel Taylor. Dan Taylor Daniel yeah. Taylor. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I would, and yeah. I would even go so far as to say that one of the things that is great about Shatterpoint is like for a lot of miniatures games, for a lot of card games, it's like, hey, in terms of stuff that is like competitively viable, like things that you can play and not feel actively bad for playing them, you're looking at a minority of the pieces in the game. Right. Yes. And you know there are a couple dozen units in the game in Shadowpoint right now, and there are very few of them that you can put on the table and just actively feel bad running them. There are going to be more yeah. optimal choices for sure. Like there are always going to be things that are the best and things that are the worst. But like really, I would say like there's like thirty something units in the game, and I would say that there are less than like five that I would say you were just going to have a bad time playing them because they're so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. It's, again, it's just one of those things where if you have fun running something, you will naturally optimize your play for it. Right. Whereas like if you, if, if you're just net decking, which you, you can, obviously there are tons of people who you can take a net deck. You can take a list off of Marvel snap or whatever, or off of Shatterpoint DB and be like, I'm just going to run this. If you get your reps, you can do it. But if yep. you are passionate about making something work, you will make, you will, you will just do better with that. Right. And you'll there's, have fun doing it. There's something to be said about the surprise factor of running something that people don't run as well. I think that that was something Such that we leveraged a lot in that final IA worlds was we had put together a non-Spectre cell list that felt like it was even or maybe a little bit disadvantaged against that list which was really saying something because everything else just got blown out of the water and yeah. but we had a surprise factor where in if you just played specter cell against that list the same way you did everything else then it actually felt pretty good for the counter list that we were running you had to know the totally. matchup in order to play it and because we had brewed it locally there were not a lot of people that knew how to deal with it and that can be the yeah. case in Shatterpoint too, where if you're playing things that people haven't played against or don't know what to anticipate, the surprise yeah. factor can be more important than the like five or ten percent margin that you get out of just playing a better unit. I was gonna say that's very much how I felt about playing Luminara or playing against Luminara uh, when I played my game against Justin at our demo tournament, where yeah. I played against Luminara now multiple times, and certainly I. I have a lot of respect for her as a figure. I, I don't think we necessarily ranked her incorrect. I think we were certainly harsher on her than she should have been. And she's definitely deserves a little bit higher ranking than we gave her. I don't think she's amazing. She's not in the top tier, but she's a really, I agree with Matt that her innate ability is probably the single best ability in the game. Yeah. But what else she's bringing is so lackluster. I think that yeah. just speaks to how good our ability is, is because of everything else is so lackluster. But yeah, I think for me, 
when I think about that, it was just this this surprise factor. And yeah. it's also to be said that there is a certain amount of there are going to be there's kind of like a a tension, a juxtaposition of like how good a figure can be versus how good it is like off your first play, right? Yeah. Like it's like certain figures, it's like they're gonna be good the first time you play them, and it doesn't really take a lot to pilot them. And there yeah. are other figures that they might suck the first time you play them, but it's because you don't really understand how to play them or make them work. And so yes. if you really love a certain figure, like you really love Mama T and she's really great and you know yeah. she's got their Night Sisters, then you can really get some work out of them. I'll use ARFs yeah. as a good example. I think I've seen Matt use ARFs in a way that I go, wow, ARFs are a lot better than I thought. And then I'll play them and I'm like, no, ARFs suck. And yeah. I realize that it's just that Matt has got a lot more reps in. I think they work more for his play style. And so I know that it, I could, you know, Matt and I might be similarly skilled players in terms of like, yeah, our win ratios are generally the same. I think we both are pr fairly competitive in the games we play. But I just know that Matt can get more out of those figures than I can. He's yeah. just got a familiarity with them and he's got that. And so I, I recognize that. And I just go, well, there are figures that I can get more out of than Matt can because they speak to my play style and I've played them a lot more. And that's yeah. really what we mean by play style is what, what really speaks to you and, and what can you naturally get the most out of. Yeah. I think a good comparison on this, Scott, is a figure like the Grand Inquisitor, where most people are not playing against the Grand Inquisitor, not teching obviously for the grand inquisitor and if you put in the reps and the time to make him work and you say i, I he's kind of like ahsoka in this way where i know what job he is supposed to accomplish and i will play him to to hit that hit that mark right and your opponent doesn't quite know what to do and so makes mistakes right that's the thing is people attack ahsoka they attack duco and you're like you shouldn't be doing that but you don't know yeah. that because you haven't you know played against these guys enough Right. So. Well, one of the things we encountered when we first started Shatterpoint is, and this is true, it, we, we played so much IA that it got yeah. to the point where I could say, if Vader attacks that figure, if the Stormtrooper attacks that figure, if Han attacks that figure, if a troop Ranger attacks that figure, this is what I expect the damage to be. We literally yep. could got so good at calculating damage because of the odds that we yeah. could just do it in our heads. I think... We kind of talked about it, like that was something that like risk assessment of like what can I expect out of this activation? What how much damage can I expect to do? That's a skill we really developed in that game. Yep, absolutely. And so when you play against something you've never played against because it's under like like the Grand Inquisitor, you have no idea like well, can my figure hold that point, yeah. or can this figure take it from the Grand Inquisitor? And the answer might be yes. The answer might be no. It's just the fact that you don't know, so you can't optimize, and that is an advantage that your opponent is going to take advantage of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, those are the lists that we are all running, assuming that we have a premiere event for LVO. And if we don't have a premiere event for LVO, then we are just going to have a ton of fun. I'm just going to run Dooku Anakin, and it will be awesome. And I'll run so... Dooku Vader, and we'll call it uh, Before and After. That's exactly right. I'll probably run exactly Anakin right. Luminara and see what happens. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I, Matt. Out of all of us, I am most interested to see what additional reps with that list does. I feel like I can kind of see the line for how Anakin Dooku works, and while it might not be the strongest thing Anakin is doing, it's a really cool, fun thing. I have no idea how Anakin Lumi works out in that long run because we have we've just now learned to really utilize her innate ability, right? Yeah, it feels like a list that has a very high ceiling and a very low floor. And is just yeah. going to be really dependent on familiarity and player skill to and matchups to get out of it what you want to get out of it. Yeah, so it should be super fun. So if you're going to LVO, this episode's going to be releasing the Monday before LVO. We would love it if you would message us on the Slack. Let us know that you're going to be there. Let us know if you want to get in random pickup games, if you want to play board games. Matt and Scott are going to be doing some kind of a painting class, I assume, on Saturday. Is that right, guys? No, it's Friday day. Okay, so Friday day, Friday day, I will probably be spending most of my time 
I'll be playing board games in the early part of the day, and then I'll be getting ready for the tournament and trying to sync up and figure out what's going on. Because we are bringing a bunch of terrain to set up for the tournament that we're going to be having. So, but we'd love, love to meet with you. Love to talk with you. We'll be there all day on Saturday doing random stuff. We'd love to play more games. So if you're going to be there, reach out to us and let us know. And that's it. We hope that everybody has an awesome, excellent time. If you're going to LVO, fly or drive safe. Come see us. Have a ton of fun. Love you all.